You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We begin our countdown of the greatest 50 players in Oakland A's history, as voted on by you, the most passionate fans in baseball. Across six decades, the green and gold have produced seven MVPs, five Cy Young Award winners, seven Rookies of the Year, plenty of All-Stars, and of course, 16 division titles, six American League pennants, and four world championships. The franchise is chock full of memorable players, providing unforgettable moments in Oakland history. The voting is complete, and now we begin at number 50, outfielder Jermaine Dye. By the time Dye reached the A's in July of 2001 in a deal with the Rockies, he was a Gold Glove All-Star outfielder. But the California native burst on the MLB scene in a big way in his May 1996 debut as an Atlanta Brave against the Reds. Hit deep to left, deep to left. He has a home run in his first major league at bat. The rookie from Vacaville, California. Fastball out over the plate, Jermaine Dye. Well, that's one thing the advanced scouts can put in their report right away. Don't throw him there. From the Braves, Dye established himself in a trade to the Royals, but the A's got their needed boost in the summer of 2001. Oakland was fighting for another postseason berth, sitting 18 games back. With the help from Dye's July 25th debut, the A's surged to a 48-13 record and a 102-win season, sending the A's to a wild-card berth. Dye hit 297 with 13 homers and 59 RBIs in those final 61 games. In that ALDS versus New York, the series moved to game four with the A's leading two games to one and Dye at the plate when fate took an ugly turn. Dye, three of 12 at the plate in the series. Well, that one off his foot or his knee, and that hurts. Right off his knee, it looked like a hard sinker. When you go to swing at that thing, it just keeps running in on you. It's almost impossible to get your bat on it without golfing it. It hits off the inside part of your bat and comes straight at you. Watch how ball, this ball sinks in on him. He might have got the, just below his knee on the inside part of his shin. Oof. There's a whole lot of bone there, not a lot of muscle. That's in between the muscles. That's going to hurt. A broken leg ended that playoff or die, but his A's career continued through 2004 and included postseason home runs in the 02 and 03 playoffs. At four home runs and 18 RBIs in the 20-game win streak from 2002. A free agent deal with the White Sox the following year Kerry died to a World Series and Series MVP trophy to his 2009 retirement. Voted number 50 on the all-time Oakland roster, Jermaine Dye. His time spent in the green and gold spanned only two seasons and 192 games. And yet, the impact he provided in that short time propelled his name into the top 50 greatest Oakland A's. At number 49, the big hurt, Frank Thomas. Thomas had accomplished so much before he signed as a free agent with the A's in 2006. A two-time MVP, an AL batting crown, and a five-time All-Star. But his last season with the Chicago White Sox, the only team he knew, was filled with injury and frustration as they won the World Series while he was off the active roster. 
Meanwhile, the A's were hoping for leadership and one last hurrah from the Big Hurt, wanting to end a disappointing string of four consecutive Game 5 Division Series losses. It began in his opening night debut versus Randy Johnson and the Yankees at the Coliseum. Pitch on the way, the 2-2 two -two to Thomas. Rip, deep left field, way back, no down. Welcome to Oakland, the Big Hurt. Maybe that home run didn't impact the outcome of a 15-2 loss, but it signaled Thomas was able to harken back the echoes of a Hall of Fame career. Another signature moment occurred upon his return to the south side of Chicago as a visitor for the first time on May 22nd. After a moving video tribute and thunderous applause, the Big Hurt gave the faithful one more memory, but this time as an Oakland A. Garland kicks and delivers the pitch to Thomas on the way. Frank rips it, deep left center field, way back, no doubt, welcome home, Big Hurt. Thomas would finish the year with 39 home runs and 114 RBI. He was fourth in the MVP voting. Most importantly, he was going back to the postseason. Looking to lead behind the pitching of Barry Zito facing Minnesota's Johan Santana in game one, Thomas set the stage for the A's to do something not accomplished since 1992 advance in the postseason. Pause set pitch, and Frank hits it to deep left. White back, white at the track. He's going to watch two home runs today for the Big Hurt, and the A's have taken a 3-1 to one lead. The Big Hurt, once again, the big man for the green and gold. This sparked the A's to a sweep of the Twins at an ALCS meeting with the Tigers. While that series didn't go as hoped, Frank provided an enormous lift to the club. After leaving the A's the following season for Toronto, he finished his career in 2008 as an A in 55 games. When he stepped to the podium at Cooperstown in 2014 as a first ballot Hall of Famer, he delivered one final bouquet to the importance of the A's to his career. I would like to thank the Oakland A's and the Toronto Blue Jays for believing in me as a free agent and signing me into the organization. Lou Wolf, Billy Bean, Dave Forrest, thanks for taking a chance on me twice. That 2000 season was magical. Without it, I doubt I'll be speaking here today. In at number 49, the big hurt, Frank Thomas. And Suzuki, it's a line drive to left center field. Crawford back, he's not going to get it. That's going to go to the wall. Around third to score is Cuss. Nomar goes to third, they're waving him. The ball gets loose in short left field. Nomar scores on a double to left center by Suzuki. And that quickly, the A's have taken the lead. It's 3-1 to one Athletics. As the top 50 Oakland A's countdown continues, in at number 48, catcher Kurt Suzuki. Suzuki brought quite a resume to the A's when he was a second-round pick in June of 2004 out of Cal State Fullerton. He was the recipient of the coveted Johnny Bench Award as the nation's top collegiate catcher, and he led the Titans to the College World Series Championship that year with a win over Texas. Suzuki was called for his Major League debut on June 9, 2007. Five weeks later, veteran catcher Jason Kendall was dealt to the Cubs, and at age 23, Kurt Suzuki became the A's starter. Suzuki isn't built as the prototypical catcher, but he was extremely agile and durable. In 2008, he caught 141 games, the most in the American League, and in 2010, led the AL with a 3.47 catcher's ERA, showing the acumen as a skilled and trusted leader of the pitching staff. Suzuki had the flair for the dramatic, 
and the walk-off base hit. Something he accomplished that amazing eight times with the A's. The lefty sets and fires a swing and a long fly. Deep left center field, way back toward the seats. Game over. Three-run homer, Kurt Suzuki. Second game in a row that the A's rookie catcher has hit one out to win it for Oakland. The mob scene is on at home plate. And the A's have swept the White Sox. 3-2 is driven to left field. Bradley is back. He's at the track, setting up at the wall, and he makes that. He can't hold on to it. It rolls away from him. Kuzman offs around for it. They're going to try to score. The throw is off line, and the A's have won the game. The A's have won it in the bottom of the ninth by the score of 6-5. And they're mobbing Kuzman off, and now they're mobbing Kurt Suzuki. There was much more to Suzuki in a seven-year Oakland career, building that bond between him and the community. In 2009, he was the A's nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award for his efforts to raise funds for former college teammate John Wilhite, who was severely injured by a drunk driver in the same vehicle that cost the life of three, including Angels pitcher Nick Aidenhart on April 8, 2009. His charitable work raised tens of thousands of dollars to assist Wilhite in his recovery. Kurt's best offensive season was 2009, hitting 274 with 15 homers and 88 RBIs. He had the distinction on April 22nd of 2010, hitting a three-run homer off CC Sabathia and grounding into a triple play in the same game. A five-time opening day starter for Oakland, second only to Terry Steinbach's nine in the East Bay, and he was the last man to wear the number 24 where Oakland retired it in honor of Ricky Henderson. The pride of Wailuku, Hawaii. Number 48 on the list, Kurt Suzuki. part of the famous Billy Ball era and delivered one of the most dramatic pitching seasons in Oakland history. In at number 47 on Oakland's top 50 list, pitcher Mike Norris. Norris was born in the Fillmore District of San Francisco. It was a first round pick of the A's in January of 1973 from City College. As a 20 year old, he authored maybe the most dramatic pitching debut in Oakland history with a complete game shutout of the Chicago White Sox on April 10th, 1975. And he still remembers the historical nature of that game. It was more like a dream, you know what I mean? How could you imagine I became the 35th pitcher in Major League history to throw a, a, a complete game shutout in their Major League debut. So it was just an awesome day, just an awesome day. Norris would meander in and out of the A's rotation the next four years. A team that lost 90 or more three times until Charlie Finley brought in Berkeley native Billy Martin for 1980 and made a huge difference for Norris and the rest of the rotation. Billy was the greatest thing for my career. He gave me a chance to go out and pitch every five days, and um, that's basically all the opportunity that I needed, and uh, I excelled at it. 
under his leadership. Unfortunately, we had to have that mentality because of our bullpen wasn't pretty much up to par. But I mean, you know, you look down there in the eighth and ninth inning and you figure, well, you know, I don't want to give this game up. I probably could do just as well. So you figure you'd stay in there and, and finish the job. It proved to be a pinnacle season for Mike, lifting the A's from 108 losses to 83 wins and a second place finish. He finished 22-9 that year with 24 complete games, but no All-Star or Cy Young selection. The strike-shortened 81 campaign began with six consecutive wins for Norris, and after play resumed in August, it was back to the postseason, which Mike finally felt gave him the feeling of belonging. That meant a lot to me as far as I, I proved to myself that I was a qualified big league pitcher and uh, I threw a complete game shutout in the first playoff game against the Kansas City Royals and then I lost the next one to the Yankees for the American League Championship but I only lost three to one so I was in that ball game all the way. Norris pitched two more years for Oakland but a tired arm and a very public addiction to cocaine pushed him out of baseball for years until one final win in relief for the A's in 1990. He is the only pitcher in A's history to win in three different decades, 84 victories in all, in at number 47, pitcher Mike Norris. While the A's were winning three consecutive World Series from 1972 to 74, they not only played together, they fought together. And one player who represented that motto comes in at number 46 on the top 50 list, center fielder Billy North. North's major league career began with the Chicago Cubs in 1971, but his relationship with manager Leo DeRocher had him on the bench and in the minors two years later. North recalls what the trade to Oakland meant for his career. At one time with the Cubs, I was number one prospect. I went from that to number one suspect, and they got me out of there and it broke my heart. Every ball player's first trade breaks their heart. And my brother, in all his wisdom, instead of look, he said, instead of looking at where you've been, look at where you're going. Went to a world championship. And it wasn't laid out that I'd have a job, but as things came out, you know, I had a pretty good time. He caught the attention of manager Dick Williams with his electric speed and because of the Burke Campanera suspension from the 1972 playoffs, North inherited the leadoff spot to begin 73 and was the first ever Oakland designated hitter and knew what he was supposed to do. Well, my contribution mainly was to run balls down, but more than that, to start the offense. I likened to this. Reggie Jackson and Sal Bando, Joe Rudy and them guys, Campaneris, well, more of them other guys, drove the car, but it wasn't going nowhere until I turned it on. <laughs> he was a catalyst batting 285 with a 376 on base percentage, but a severe ankle injury denied him the league lead in runs and the postseason that campaign. North would bounce back in 1974 and capture one of his two stolen base crowns and score six runs in the postseason with a team that had on and off the field moments. But North ultimately knew what the A's were all about. Well, playing to win. We just did what we were taught. But in the clubhouse, every team I was ever on, through the minor leagues and all, fought. We were world champions. You can't have 25 individuals with personalities and that not have a scuffle every now and then. You know? and, but the dynamics, we had a wonderful clubhouse. 
There was a lot of stuff talking. It was a dynamic clubhouse. The thing I missed the most, the interaction in there. But when we came on the field, we were we were a very, very efficient team. The biggest thing Dick Williams says, don't give up extra outs. We had pitching staff and big foul lines, and that helped too. But all we did was play the game right. North would play more than half of his 11-year career with the A's, and his style fit right in with the hard-nosed play of the athletics. But by the time 1978 rolled around and Vita Blue was sent to the Giants, North was the last remaining connection to the Oakland playoff teams of the decade until a waiver claim sent him to the Dodgers and playoffs one last time. The A's first ever DH and number 46 on the all-time Oakland 50 greatest players list. That's center fielder Billy North. With decades of baseball for A's fans to select their all-time top 50, the path to joining the group has many roots. This pure performance, major achievements, indelible moments, undeniable numbers, and team success. As for number 45 on the list, unbridled passion and excitement represented Eric Burns. High foul on the left side. Burns comes racing over into foul ground through the bullpen, dives, lays out, and makes this fabulous, sensational, unbelievable catch. Holy Toledo. He was airborne for it seemed like forever and then bounced hard on the turf between the mound and the plates in the left field bullpen. And now jogging after putting himself back together. Here's the fans. Give him a standing O. Burns signed with the A's in 1998 and two years later made his major league debut and instantly connected with the fans. I don't care how I look. I'm going to go out there and just be me. And I'm going to play the game the only way I know how. And I never changed. The one thing I'm just super proud of, of, of my career, I had a lot of ups and downs. A lot, obviously. Highs, lows, and I'll tell you this. The one thing and the only thing that I care about is that every single day I stepped out there, I could look myself in the mirror when I came off that field at night and said I did everything I could do to be successful. It was Burns who was pitched hit for by Scott Hatterberg who delivered one of the most famous moments in baseball history, extending the winning streak to 20 games for Oakland in September of 2002. However, the following year, Eric would get the spotlight for himself. As a kid who went to high school in Mountain View, it's easy to point to the Burns' best individual achievement. It came on June 29, 2003, against the Giants. Playing in front of family and friends, Burns had a single, a double, and a home run, and then... And a swing and a fly ball to center. Valderrama coming on. He has to play it for the hop. It bounces by him. He's going to chase it down. Burns around second base. Burns on the way to third. Burns triple cycle. Holy Toledo. Is there anything that doesn't happen to this young man? Unbelievable. And listen to the crowd. Standing ovation from everybody. Giants and A's fans. What a day. Hatterberg stays out of the batter's box, letting the ovation continue. The fifth A's man wearing the Oakland uniform to hit for the cycle. Burns would collect six hits in the ALDS versus Boston that year, but the A's fell short of advancing. He would play two more seasons in Oakland before 2005 trade to Colorado and concluding his career with Seattle in 2010. All the while playing with that all-out style 
that began in the Coliseum. Number 45 on the top 50 list, outfielder Eric Burns. No one has spent more time in an Oakland uniform than our latest member of the Oakland Athletics Top 50 Greatest Players, as voted on by you, the fans. With 33 years in service to the organization, including 10 as a talented left-handed pitcher, Kurt Young joins the list at number 44. Young was an A's fourth-round pick in 1981 out of Central Michigan and reached the big leagues two years later. Overall, he enjoyed a winning record with the A's at 69-53 and 53 in his career, and that included three consecutive double-digit winning seasons from 86 to 88, twice reaching the 13-win plateau. Kurt looks at the list of the greatest pitchers in Oakland's past and gives his reaction to joining that impressive list. Yeah, you open up that envelope and you're not quite sure what it was, what it was about, and then you see you were voted uh, on that list, and just quite an honor, and... You know, it, it gets you thinking about all the years that when you started and when you finished and all the good memories that happened in between. Kurt collected only three innings of postseason work for the A's, coming in 1988 and again in 1990. While maybe not a prime performer in those postseasons, Kurt has fond memories of those special times. It was it was just a feel of family and, and the owners bent then, the, the Haas family were spectacular to all of us. and. And Tony ran a, a great ship and had us all in line. And the year of 88 with the team that we had, you felt like this is a team that's supposed to win, and we did. And, you know, not winning the World Series, finishing against the Dodgers in 88, gave us all the motivation in 89. And I think right from the start in spring training, we were on a mission to be the best team. His brightest individual moment came on October 5th, 1986, versus the Kansas City Royals, a game that Kurt still remembers well. Well, last game of the year for both teams and no hits, no runs, no errors for six and two-thirds innings. And, you know, it was a game I'll never forget. And to end the year that way, it made you feel pretty good going into the offseason. Young also received an opening day start, April 7th, 1987, versus Burt Blylevin and the Minnesota Twins. Despite seven strong innings and 10 strikeouts, Young had a no decision in a 5-4 loss. He added another one-hitter June 9th of that year with a Kenny Williams White Sox home run in the eighth inning, spoiling an otherwise stellar night in an 8-3 win. 33 years in the system as a player and coach means Kurt understood the history of the Oakland A's. Such a tradition there, pitching-wise, and, and you want to carry it over. And, and really, what makes an organization proud is bringing guys up from within the organization, and and that's exactly what you did with a Joe Blanton and a, and a Rich Harden after the Mulder Hudson Zito era. But any times a player can come from within your organization, whether it's a position player, a pitcher, a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, it really is satisfaction for, for everybody that's involved. Number 44 on our top 50 list, pitcher and coach Kurt Young. The swinging A's of the 1970s were filled with stars in the field, at the plate, and on the mound. It enabled the green and gold to reach the postseason for five straight years and capture three consecutive World Series. Something else they had was a steadying influence with the glove, and he comes in at number 43 on the top 50 list, 
second baseman Dick Green. Bucker lines it in the right center. The Dodgers had the time run on. Ball gets away. And on to second. North played that casually. He's coming on to third to throw. Oh! There's a play we'll be talked about. North let the ball get away from him. He played it casually out there. Jackson backed it up and Dick Green made the throw. Great execution once again by the A's. What a relay throw. Reggie has a fantastic arm. Sometimes it's not that accurate, but most of the time it is. And so I didn't get out there in the outfield, even though the ball went by him very much. I was just on the edge of the grass. And, of course, he knew where I was going to be, and he just rolled around and threw it to me. And, and uh, kind of, it was like a second base throw, a double play. I, I got it and I threw it, and I, and I one-hopped it to Bando, and when he caught it, his glove was on the bag. And we just barely got Buckner. This key play in the eighth inning of Game 5 of the 1974 World Series summed up the career of Green. Not flashy, and certainly wasn't a spark with the bat, but his glove and penchant for delivering a key play defensively defined his important contributions to the winning culture of the A's. Green gave the Athletics 12 solid years, coming over from Kansas City, reaching the majors at age 22. His career postseason batting average was only 155, but he played in 36 games. Lifetime, Green was a 240 hitter. He was a tremendous athlete out of South Dakota, spurning two sport college offers from Florida State and Michigan to play quarterback and the infield. Wanting to end the long travel of a season, Green almost retired prior to the 1971 campaign, but Charlie Finley talked him out of it. In game four of the 1972 World Series, Green was involved in one of the most challenging collisions ever, the type of collision from a different era of baseball. Mando short hops it, goes down to second, Green. Whoa, is he taken out at second base by McCray? Green a dead duck, and that's the way they played in the World Series. The glove was always the story for Dick Green, even though he never captured a gold glove for fielding excellence. Thanks in part to playing in the same era as Oriole Bobby Gritch, Green was charged with only seven errors at 133 games in the 1973 season and eight the following year defense was always his calling card. I love to play defense. I, it was fairly easy to catch a ball every now and then, but during the 74 World Series, I got a few chances. I probably made a couple plays during that World Series. Out of the best five I ever can remember, I had two of them during that World Series, and it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. In fact, despite getting only two postseason hits and 22 at-bats in the 74 playoffs, Green's glove was so instrumental in the A's third consecutive World Series title that he won the Babe Ruth Award as the postseason MVP that year. Later on the list, another strong South Dakotan with many of the traits of Green will appear, but for now, strong and steady at number 43, second baseman Dick Green. Mendez back in deals, and Chris hits a deep drive to left center field. That's headed for the A's bullpen and over the bullpen. And what a way to cap the season for Chris Davis, a career-high 43rd home run, a tremendous shot to left center field, and the A's take a 5-0 lead. Number 43 for Chris Davis, 85 home runs over the last two years. He came to the A's organization in a pre-spring training deal in February of 2016 from Milwaukee. And since that moment, this outfielder has delighted fans and impressed his peers with unmatched power. After only two seasons with Oakland, hit at number 42 on the top 50 list, 
is Chris Davis. Swinging the drive to right center. Back is Chu. He'll take a look. Out it goes over the bullpen and into the seats for Chris Davis. Davis began his A's career quietly, not hitting a home run until his 14th game. But three weeks later, the foundation was set as Davis began his journey to become one of the most prodigious power hitters in Oakland history on May 17, 2016. And swung and hit the left field deep, way back, Ruin turning around, he will watch a game-winning grand slam for Chris Davis in the bottom of the ninth inning. Do you believe that? A's 8, Texas 5. That's something I'm going to remember for a while, and uh, I'm just happy I could come through for the team. It was a big situation, and I just tried to stay calm and put a good swing on it. Uh, I was uh, sitting fastball. He just kept pounding me, pounding me, and finally I just didn't miss it. Uh, I fouled one straight back, and I knew I was... I was on him pretty good, so I was just straight within myself. The soft-spoken Davis would explode through the 16th season to tally 42 long balls and drive in 102 runs. He became the fifth player in Oakland history to connect for 40 home runs, joining the likes of Mark McGuire, Reggie Jackson, Jose Canseco, and Jason Giambi. Out to prove that 2016 was no fluke, Davis wasted no time kicking off the 2017 campaign against the Angels. Opening night proved that Chris was ready to repeat the power. Maldonado sets up away. The pitch is swung on a fly ball. Left center field going back on it. Maven turning and watching. And Chris Davis has hit two home runs on opening night. And the A's take a 4-2 lead. By the time the season ended, Davis was the first player in Oakland history and only the second in the entire history of the A's to connect for 40 home runs in back-to-back -back seasons joining the immortal Jimmy Fox. Chris had 43 home runs and drove in 110, finishing in the top three in both categories for the American League, firmly establishing himself as one of the game's premier sluggers. In at number 42 on the A's top 50 list is outfielder Chris Davis. As we continue our countdown of the top 50 Oakland A's as voted on by you, the fans, it's no surprise that a singular moment on a special day delivered by a kid with a hard scrabble childhood from Stockton would garner the votes. At number 41 on our countdown, left-handed pitcher Dallas Braden. Popped up, third base side, playable toward the dugout. Kuzminov, plenty of room, and he makes the catch. 18 up and 18 down for the A's lefty from Stockton. The fact that Braden, all 5'9 and 140 pounds of him, even got drafted out of Stag High School in Stockton, spoke to his belief in himself and promise he made to his mom, Jody, about finishing school even after her passing. Instead of signing, Braden would go on to American River College and eventually Texas Tech before the Athletics drafted him in the 24th round of the 2004 draft. He made his big league debut on April 24, 2007 at Camden Yards and beat the Orioles 4-2, his only win that season, one of 26 in his career. Up until his date with destiny, Braden's career was defined more for screaming at Alex Rodriguez to get off his mound than anything else. But just 17 days later, May 9th, Mother's Day 2010 versus Tampa Bay, when the baseball gods reached down and touched Braden's left arm. 
But Dallas explains it wasn't a day to look forward to. Having experienced what I experienced losing my mom at an early age in high school, it's never been a good day for me, never been one to be celebrated. I was running late. I'm never late, especially not for a start. As the outs were rolling by, anticipation grew and the possibility of history being made at the Coliseum. Popped up, third base side, playable toward the dugout. Kuzminov, plenty of room, and he makes the catch. A great battle won by Dallas Braden. Looped in a right field, an easy chance. Here comes Sweeney, and he will squeeze it 21 in a row. Sat down by Dallas Braden. Popped up foul, third base side. Kuzminov toward the dugout, racing. He's on the track. He's there. He makes the catch. It goes into the dugout and holds on to the ball. And listen to the coos. Finally, a 4-0 lead into the top of the ninth inning. Gave Braden a chance even he had trouble believing. What the heck does a mound look like at the big league level in the ninth inning? I had never seen the mound at a big league game in the ninth inning. I was going for my first complete game, so obviously everything surrounding me was taking hold, but I was ultimately thinking, don't screw this up, and let's go ahead and try to finish a ball game for the first time in your big league career. Let's get that done. And lastly, Gabe Kapler stood in the way of the 19th perfect game in baseball history. Braden turns, he throws, and it swung on a ground ball to short. Taken there, Pennington's got it. He throws a perfect game! Dallas Braden has thrown a perfect game! The kid from Stockton has done it for the A's! As the celebration began on the field, Peggy Lindsay, Braden's grandmother, found Dallas to enjoy the moment. One that stamped him forever on the Oakland Top 50 list. At number 41, Dallas Braden. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.